Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not Enough. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm interviewing Samantha Pedgick now. Samantha was on that 2008 Women's Olympic Gymnastics team, one of probably the most famous teams that we've ever had. Uh, they were you know, made up of, of all kinds of, of really, uh, really big names, with Samantha being one of them. Um, you know, we're going to talk about that experience. We're going to talk about the experience of being expected to to get gold and and uh, being kind of the the talk of the town. Uh, being a, a young person when you go to the Olympics, she was well under eighteen. She joined the uh, national team at twelve years old. Uh, so we'll talk about that and and this the expectations behind um, competing at the the elite level, definitely for the U.S. and in, in gymnastics. Uh, we're going to talk about you know those expectations. They had won the World Championships the year prior. Then they had some injuries within the Olympics. Samantha was one of those people that got injured, and they finished uh, as a team with a silver medal and uh, and kind of coming to terms with with that silver medal. You know, a lot of a lot of teams would would have been thrilled with that, and they had to kind of get used to that given. Uh, their their expectations of, of gold and so it's kind of just that balancing of you know we should be proud of what we've achieved but we still don't feel great about it and just kind of then feeling bad about not feeling great about it so we talked briefly about that uh, we're mostly going to talk about uh, Samantha's life in gymnastics we're going to talk about growing up and, and starting gymnastics when she was two years old loving the process getting on the national team uh, we're going to talk about her experience in the olympics we're going to talk about her getting injured in the olympics and uh and kind of trying to to overcome some of that while also you know the disappointment of uh, that happening on i guess the the biggest stage there there is uh, we're going to talk about it after the olympics and and her going and competing at the collegiate level she competed for uh, ucla there she won all kinds of competitions she won you know ncaa national championships as an individual in um, some disciplines and then also as the all-around athlete at uh, as a a senior so kind of a a nice cap to her career we're going to talk about retiring from gymnastics and her career after that uh, retiring from a something that you've done your whole life you know at a a young age and what that feels like Uh, we'll talk about what she does now, which she has the Beam Queen Boot Camp, helping people with uh, the balance beam. She has her career as a uh, sports journalist. She works for, for ESPN and NBC now. Uh, she's in the past worked for the Pac-12 and, and some other places as well. So we'll, it's just a, it's going to be a really cool conversation with, with somebody that I think a lot of us has, has heard a lot about in the past and uh, she's doing so many amazing things now she's she's accomplished so much and you know we we are about the same age and and just to hear all of her accomplishments is just truly truly amazing she's uh she's she's i mean she's a really awesome person i I think you're really going to enjoy this one here is samantha pedrick i'm here with samantha pedrick how are you samantha 
Good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. I, I don't try to hide the, the beginning. I was so worried about saying your name correctly. Did I say it right? Yes, you nailed it. It's it's a little tricky. It's like an SH sound, but there's a Z in there. So it, it trips everybody up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad I got it at least halfway right. Something that I didn't know before I started kind of researching you individually is you at least were born in Indiana. I'm in Indiana. Are you a an actual Hoosier? You're just born here. I was born and raised there. So I, I lived in Indianapolis for 18 years uh, before I went off to college in California and then took a little sabbatical for a year and a half in Indianapolis during COVID. And now I'm in Austin, Texas. I had no idea. You're you're talking to me from Indianapolis. So we're from the same <laughs> area. So I love I that. I love that. Absolutely. For sure. Obviously, we're going to talk about gymnastics. You're uh, definitely an accomplished person in that world. I've talked to some gymnasts in the past, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the themes uh, that I got from them. But I want to first talk to you about how you got involved in the sport. This sport, unlike a lot of other ones, you get involved in very, very early. So what's your story there? Yeah, I started gymnastics when I was two years old. And, you know, as early and crazy as that seems, it's probably, you know, mommy and me class. But uh, my mom was a college gymnast and my dad was a collegiate wrestler and a hockey player. So um, just came from an athletic family. And I think the story goes that my parents were uh, always arguing about which sports to put us in. And I think the the winning factor was, okay, let's put her in gymnastics because that's the earliest sport she could do. And then we'll let her decide when she gets older. And um, I think that was some, some good work for my mom because I think she knew I would probably fall in love with the sport that she loved so much. So going through it, did you, the entire time you were in it, at least let's talk about before you were 10 years old, did you always enjoy it? Because that's something I never thought would be a, you know, an issue when I'm talking to an uh, Olympic gymnast in the past. There was some times in the middle that they did not like it and they, it was not going well and uh, it just kept on. So was it something you always, always loved or did you have to ever re-fall in love with the sport? Yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, I think I was maybe one of the weird ones and not every day was sunshine and rainbow. So I definitely don't want to paint that picture. Um, but I loved the grind and the hard work. And um, I had, you know, a really healthy gymnastics upbringing. The gym that I went to was 10 minutes from my house and I really got along with my coach and he was always so respectful and, and positive with me, which I think um, benefited me and in, in my personality and training style. So I don't know if I would have been able to reach my full potential in, in a different culture or in a different environment, but I think that at least helped me, you know, have joy and, and be so excited. I think that that's why I'm still so connected to the gymnastics world is because I had such a great experience. No, that's, that's great to hear for sure. So with Olympians, I've, I've never talked to a U.S. gymnastics person from the, any, any Olympics events, any national teams. I've talked to people from water polo and skiing and all kinds of stuff. So I know the process there and I know the process with the Canadian team. That's who I talked to in the past. What's the process of getting on the national team as a U.S. gymnastics person, a, a gymnast, because I, I know that it's ultra, ultra competitive and it starts relatively young as well. Yeah, it, it changes from year to year and, and quad to quad. But when I uh, first made the national team, I was 12 years old and you are competing at a competition and they basically just take the top 
Um, I think it was 12 at the time that I made the team. Um, now I think it's a little bit less and they have more wild card spots if there's injuries or things like that. So it has shifted with the protocol. But once you make the national team, then you're required to go to the na- national team training camps. When I was on the national team, it was about every six weeks, I would say. And um, in addition to, you know, going to competitions there to try and earn a spot on international assignments. So uh, competing for Team USA is really the purpose of the national team. And so coming together and kind of fighting for a spot on those international um, competitions was always kind of the goal. And and I would say the biggest ones that I got to be a part of was World Championships in 2007 in in Germany. And then, uh, of course, the Olympic Games the following year in, in 2008. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's obviously, you just talked about, there's a lot of commitments outside of just the Olympics when it comes to the national team. And I just wonder, given you talked about joining the national team at 12 years old, you know, that's at the height of, of people's education. So what does it look like there? You know, for other Olympians, sometimes they're in college and they take a you know a gap year, obviously you can't take a gap year from the sixth grade. So what does that look like? How do, how do people juggle their education and, you know, being on the national team? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I think um, a lot of gymnasts have succeeded at the highest level being homeschooled. And mm. um, I give my parents a lot of credit for keeping me in school and, and making it work with my coach and with my training schedule. I just knowing my personality, I don't think I think I would have gotten burnt out if I wasn't if I didn't have an outlet like school. You know, I've always had friends that were not gymnasts. Um, I've always, you know, went to real school. There were a couple of years, um, world championships and the Olympic games year that I, uh, you know, instead of resource, I would go early to the gym, things like that. So there were definitely adjustments made. Um, but in terms of school, like I went to school every single day, I had to turn in all my homework. I missed the first month and a half of my sophomore year of high school. And I had to go in to school every day at 6am until I finished every single assignment. So, you know, everyone around me really took that seriously. And while I did not appreciate it at the time, I am, I'm forever grateful that I have that kind of educational background. For, for sure. And I want to get to the Olympics. We're talking about the 2008 Olympics. Your, your experience there is a, a little bit different because if I if I understand correctly, early on in the, the competition, you got hurt. So you went through all of this, you know, these trainings, the trials and all that kind of stuff. You got to the Olympics and then you were injured. So what, what was that like? I feel like that's that can't be super, super fun. Yeah, I mean, definitely not ideal um, in terms of, you know, my individual experience, but um, I still got to compete on bars. Uh, my injury happened about five minutes before the competition. So they gave me a cortisone shot as quickly as possible, but there really wasn't enough time for it to kick in. And, um, you know, we, I'd been dealing with pain and everyone, I think at the Olympic games deals with a lot of pain. So it wasn't, it wasn't really a pain thing for me, um, because that was all, all numb, but it was really just, you know, my, my leg wasn't working. My ankle wouldn't, wouldn't push the floor. So um, I really needed to wait till the cortisone shot kicked in. So luckily that kicked in before bars. Uh, but I think if you zoom in, you can see my my ankle taped and my one leg, one foot is definitely more swollen than the other one. So landing um, on my dismount and, and being able to to get that routine done at the highest level for Team USA is, is one of my proudest moments. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, when it comes to the Olympics, what's some things about the the experience that I guess surprised you the most? Hmm. I think I'd, I I didn't go in with any expectation. You know, I, the Olympic Games were unlike any other competition that I had been a part of. There's athletes from all these other sports. I mean, there was definitely a cool factor of, oh my gosh, I am among the greatest athletes in the entire world right now. Um, so that was cool to just walk around and, and see how tall everybody was um, and kind of just be, you know, in their presence. Uh, but we trained twice a day when we were there. And I think they, our coaches did a really good job of not making the experience bigger than what it was. And so I think when you're in those moments, you have such a tunnel vision that you, you kind of forget how many people are watching you, how, how you know, much is at stake. Um, you obviously know it's the Olympic Games, but we try to just think about it like any other meet. Yeah. So when it comes to the Olympics versus other meets, how different is it? You know, there's some sports that it's small enough that pretty much all the meets you're just competing against the same people as you would be just a bigger stage of the Olympics with with gymnastics. Is it a completely different world? It's a completely different group of competitors or what's that look like? Yeah, the Olympics is more or less the same as a world championships, except I would say maybe the world championships is harder because um, it's it's the qualifying year to the Olympics. So there's actually more people competing mm-hmm. at a world championships the, the year prior than are competing at the Olympic Games. Now, I would say the the players and the, the key players are probably about the same, you know, amongst the top five, depending on which quad you're looking at. But yeah, these are athletes that we have been competing against um, since we were at the junior level as well. So we knew a lot of them, we had, you know, done exchange gifts with them at certain competitions. So, um, we weren't like hanging out with the other teams because we were kind of in our own bubble. Um, but you know, you have so much respect for the athletes competing there, you, you know, they're in, you know, pain and they're kind of having the same you know, obstacles and triumphs that you're having every day in the gym. So just knowing that you can relate to other athletes at the highest level, even though they're in different countries, is kind of a cool bond. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. And so after the Olympics, uh, you know, I, I think there's there's some different timelines here, but you eventually went on and competed at the the collegiate level. From my understanding, that's not always super, super typical. I feel like there's two tracks. There's people that you know, go the collegiate track and there's people that try to go for the national team track, maybe completely wrong. That's just things that I've heard. So was that kind of unique that you, that you went that way? I would say, yeah, there used to be those two tracks and, um, uh, you know, Bridget Sloan and I both did college gymnastics and we were on the 2008 team, but now that NIL is a factor. I mean, now people can go to college and, you know, receive money and receive that. So that's why we're seeing you know, athletes like Sunisa Lee and Jordan Childs. And um, I think there's a, a Brooklyn Moores is a Canadian Olympian. There's a lot of athletes now that kind of get to have the best of both worlds. So it's really cool now that gymnasts and athletes in general don't have to choose between an education or, you know, money, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. So, so when you decided to do this, what made you what made you decide to after being on the national team go and and compete in college as well you've kind of you've reached the pinnacle you didn't technically have to do anything more if you didn't want to what made you decide hey i I've, I've still got more in me and i want to i guess go compete for ucla 
yeah, gymnastics and I've always loved and enjoyed doing it, but, you know, education was really important to me and my family. So I knew I wanted to get an education. Both my parents were college athletes and always talked about just how amazing and incredible of an opportunity it was. And, um, for me to have the opportunity to, to go to LA and, and to go to UCLA, a school like that. I mean, that was something that was really exciting for me. So yeah, it, it wasn't that hard of a decision for me knowing that, I was going to get to further my education and also compete at a really high level for a school that I was excited for. Now, this is a question that maybe maybe you won't have an answer for or not want to answer, but the person I've spoke to in the past, same thing. They they did both tracks, and we talked about the difference between the collegiate level and the national team level, and just how much they kind of fell back in love with with gymnastics because the the collegiate level. It's just different. It's, I mean, their their response was it's just more relaxed, less pressure. Which which did you enjoy more? Did you enjoy, you know, the collegiate level more, the national team because of the stakes? I don't know how you want to answer that question, but I just I just wonder how you you feel about the two different two different areas that you've competed in. Yeah, I think it's like comparing apples and oranges. You know, I'm so thankful to have both. I mean, college gymnastics is much more fun. Uh, at competitions and on an everyday basis, you know, you get to train with a big team. You're all going through the same things. There's limited hours. Um, you know, it, it, it is more focused on fun and enjoyment and almost like celebrating the career that you've already had, but I would not trade anything for my elite experience. Um, I would say, you know, since I was a young kid, I've always been a pretty intense person, um, especially when it comes to like accomplishing goals and, and, having a vision for what I want to happen. And so um, for me to be in an environment to accomplish those goals that I set out when I was five years old, I mean, there's really not much more that could replace all of that. And I think because it was so hard and so difficult, like I pushed myself in ways that I don't know if I could ever push myself that hard again. Um, But I reached my potential, you know, 10 times over because of the intensity and because of my commitment to all of that. So competing for Team USA is definitely like the most rewarding thing that I've ever gotten to do in my entire life. So I can't imagine, you know, going through gymnastics and not being able to uh, experience both or not having both of those experiences under my belt because I loved them both, but for very, very, very different reasons. Yeah. And we're talking about rewarding. Great segue into the next question. That is, you've you've accomplished so much that it's almost hard just to even try to say say it all because I, I definitely don't want to miss things. But a few things is your know, senior team national championships, silver medal in the Olympics, like we already talked about, three NCAA championships with one of them being all around. So my question there is, when we're talking about being rewarding, where did you find the most rewarding? And then simply what, how, how did you, how did you make sure that all of this still meant as much to you when winning was just something that you almost, you did for, for several years? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, for me, um, I love to win. <laughs> I love to win. It's funny now that I'm retired, I'm really not as competitive. Mm. Um, I can play a card game with my family and it's not, it really doesn't, irk me if I don't win anymore. So I don't know if I just used up that gene or not, but yeah, I think, you know, coming from the elite environment, when we were part of a USA team that was expected to win, we did win. Um, I mean, getting a silver medal at the Olympics had such mixed emotions because um, we were 
slated to win. I mean, that's what we were going there to do. We had won world championships the year before. I mean, that was that it was that or nothing. I don't think any of us even entertained a silver medal going into the competition. And so I think it took all of us and I don't want to speak for everyone, but at least for me, it took, took me a long time to be proud of that silver medal because it wasn't gold. So it was such a a mixed bag of like being so proud that we earned this silver medal. And it was really freaking hard. You know, our team had a lot of injuries. There was a lot of obstacles. So it's not like we were all full strength. And, you know, so it, it was, that was, that was an interesting, you know, dichotomy of emotions with all of that. Um, and then going to UCLA, I mean, I was part of so many teams where we didn't win (laughs) and that was really hard for me at the beginning of like, okay, wow, this is more of a team sport. Like how do we get the team, you know, involved in, and on the same page. And so, um, you know, I, I had high hopes of winning a team national championship. Fortunately, I didn't get the opportunity to accomplish that, but, um, finishing the note, winning in the all around and beam. I mean, I could not have asked for more of a storybook ending after the injuries that I've had. And after the the long journey in college of, you know, what felt like a lifetime to get back to winning. Yeah. And I, I just wonder, given that, you know, this is a sport that people do retire very young. I mean, in their mid mid twenties, generally, if, if not even earlier than that, what does that world look like when you realize that, Hey, I I'm not able to compete at the highest level at this point and I need to retire and I'm, you know, 25 years old. What, what does that do when it comes, I guess, mentally, you've been doing it since you were two years old and it kind of eventually comes to an end at the ultra competitive level. What, what's that look like? I was actually really nervous to be done with gymnastics because I think different than a lot of athletes, I still had so much love for this sport Um, I mean, my body was tired and I was definitely excited for a break, but I think I was nervous that I would be done and, and be one of those people that was like always still wishing she was a gymnast. Um, and I remember the next day after I woke up from retirement and I felt this like sense of relief and like, you know, cloud and not that, and not that I had a bad experience. And I, it was, I was lying to myself, but it was like this, wow, like I did everything in my power. I have zero regrets in this sport. Like I don't want to flip anymore. Um, I'm like so excited to start over with something else that I'm really passionate about because it's like, you know, you're playing a video game and, and you got to the end of the video game. Like, like I, for me in my career, like I had beaten the video game and there was nothing left for me to accomplish. Um, and so, you know, it was the perfect note to be done on because I was so proud of the experience that I had, but I, I did not wish that I had more eligibility. I did not wish that I could go back to elite gymnastics. Like it was just this like moment of peace, um, and contentment of uh, so many years of, of grinding in the gym. Yeah, no, that, that's great that you were able to, to kind of put it behind you like that. And I want to talk about what you've done since retirement, you, you've kind of got two different tracks when it comes to broadcasting. And then also your, I guess your, your own coaching when it comes to the, the beam queen, is it boot camp or Academy? One of the, one of the two, let's start talk. Let's start by talking about beam queen. What exactly is that? Yeah. Beam queen started, um, as a way for me to give back to the sport that gave me so much 
Um, I almost, I, I wanted to quit the sport because I had so many fears on balance beam growing up. And then, you know, I was able after years and years and years, um, to train myself to figure out how to love beam. And then beam became my best event and my secret weapon. So after I retired, I was like, well, how can I like, how did I, how did I even, you know, get myself to that place of like hating it, wanting to quit? Then it was like my best event. So I reflected a lot and built a curriculum around balance beam to help other young gymnasts like beam at a younger age than I did. So I know once I gained confidence on beam, it gave me confidence on the other events. And then I also noticed a positive change where it gave me confidence in my life outside the gym as well. So um, we travel around and we do about 25 events in four months in the summer. We've been to 35 states. We've been internationally. Um, and so it's, it's kind of started with one event and then the request that we were getting in to bring it to other gyms was incredible. So it's been something that I've really been passionate about growing. And I think we're helping a lot of athletes, not just in the gym, but, but gaining those, that confidence and life skills outside of the gym, which was really important for me to pass along to the next generation. So it started out as a two day boot camp. Uh, gymnastics camp. And now it's expanded. We have an apparel collection. We have an online program called the club with live digital events each month and a robust on-demand library. And then we also have an app that people can book a private zoom session with one of our gymnastics experts and um, check out our library there. So it is, it is a, a lot going on that we you know, work really hard at, on on a daily basis. And the team and I just are really passionate about what we're doing because we think that we're helping so many, you know, gymnasts around the world. Yeah, I love that. And I, I just wonder when it comes to these these Zoom sessions, what does that look like? I mean, obviously you 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 can't watch them perform. So is this more of the mental aspect of it and how much, and that kind of leads into it, way broader question, how much of this sport is truly mental rather than the physical aspects? I would say gymnastics is more of a mental sport than a physical sport for sure. Um, you know, which is crazy because I think to the naked eye, it is an extremely physical sport. So it makes you wonder just how mental it is if, if you'd never been a gymnast before. But I think every gymnast would agree that that mental side is is really important to the success of an athlete. But um, yeah, so uh, with our private Zoom sessions, we have a um, mental performance coach, uh, we have a dietitian, we have a choreographer, um, and we have a lot of former um, NCAA athletes that are mentors that young gymnasts can book and kind of just get advice one-on-one -on -one from uh, athletes that have walked the walk. So I would say um, our most popular sessions are the sessions with our mental performance coaches, working on confidence, working on overcoming fears in the gym. And then also we have a session that athletes can book with a judge. So a judge can look at their routine and say exactly what deductions that they're most likely getting on their routines um, during competition. So it helps the athlete kind of empowers them to take a look at, okay, I'm taking ownership of my gymnastics and we are definitely not replacing the coach in the gym and we don't do coaching in that way, but this is everything that a coach most likely doesn't have time for at an, at an everyday practice, but the athlete still wants to put in the extra work um, to get better, you know, outside the gym. Well, I love that. Let's talk about the other, the other fork in, in what you do. And that's the broadcasting side. What, what made you decide you wanted to 
to get involved with broadcasting. I think you worked for a, you know, a, a conference network and now you've moved on to, to bigger things. So talk about that journey. I think my first time getting interviewed, I was 10 years old and my mom worked in media. She worked at USA Gymnastics. And so I remember with my first interview, she was doing a little media training with me because I was nervous and she would, you know, ask me questions and, um, you know, basically saying, if I didn't feel comfortable asking a question, here's how you can reroute and say what you do want to know, what you want them to know, or, you know, you can just be honest and say, I don't want to don't want to answer that question. And so I think from a young age, I was never afraid of the media. And I always kind of saw it as like a really cool tool to, you know, be featured and to talk about, you know, who I was as an athlete, but more importantly to me, who I was as a person. And so I always welcomed, you know, interviews, uh, TV, uh, print, anything like that. But I was always used to being interviewed. When we got to the Olympics, I started asking questions to the other athletes and, and being interested just in their storylines of how they got to the Olympics and what their background was. And I realized that I was just really curious and I enjoyed, you know, not only hearing their stories, but telling other people and inspiring other people with their stories. And so when I got to college, I kind of knew, okay, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid. I think a lot of people wouldn't do this career maybe because of, the cameras on them or, you know, being nervous of being on TV. And, you know, that wasn't a fear of mine. And so I think my, my love for telling stories and inspiring others, it just was kind of like the perfect career for me. So I started off working at the PAC 12 networks. And then um, now I'm work for ESPN and also NBC. So I've been to a lot of different networks and worked with a lot of amazing producers and really honing in on my craft. And it's a fun career because you're never at the top in a way, like there's always something you can do to improve. So it kind of makes it fun because there's just never a boring day on the job <laughs> with live TV. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure of that. So do you, what, what have you expanded your reach? Are you mostly doing things when it comes to, to gymnastics or are you doing all kinds of different sports now? Cause that would be interesting just to kind of obviously broadcast things that you know less about, not that you don't know, you know, a ton about other things, but what's that look like? Um, I used to do sideline for football, actually. Mm. Football is my favorite sport outside of gymnastics. Um, Big football fan. Mm. And so I would do football in the fall, but it was getting to be too much with my schedule. So um, I kind of had to pick and choose. And for me, um, you know, I just enjoyed being an analyst more and going to travel to all these gymnastics meets is kind of like a fun, you know, weird family reunion for me. Um, because a lot of my friends are head coaches now. So I get to see them on the weekends and, it, you know, gymnastics is a sport that I could talk about with my eyes closed backwards, upside down. Um, and I'm really passionate about teaching others about the sport, which I think lends me to be a good choice to be in this role. Absolutely. When in wrapping things up, I, I believe we're around the same age, so we've both got a lot of life left. And I, I just wonder what uh, what do you hope that the future the future holds for you? Um, it, with my career. I mean, with you, with whatever you want to answer with your career. <laughs> I'm with, like, well, I hope I live a long and prosperous life. <laughs> I mainly uh, meant starters. your careers. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, you know, it's interesting. The last couple, COVID was a difficult year for me personally. Um, I didn't get um, the ESPN job that I was hoping for since I was the last one 
um, to the roster and they didn't have as many at home kids. And so that was a really devastating blow, even though it wasn't really about me personally. It was just I drew the short end of the stick. Um, and then we couldn't do any of my beam queen events because of COVID. And so that whole year, I think was just a really eye opening moment. One of how much I enjoyed the work that I was doing and two, how much I needed to, you know, trust in myself separate, like my identity is separate than my careers. And so now that I have the ESPN job and I get to do all these dream jobs, like I, I try to take moments to take a deep breath and remind myself, like, I am, I am doing my dream job. Like, you know, people want all these things. It's like the last couple of years, I've, I've really been living it. And um, I think it's because I put in so much work over the past 10 years on, on both of these careers. Um, and so if I could just continue to, to do what I'm doing, and maybe it's you know, a little less or in, in, in a different capacity. Um, but in terms of like, what my dream job is, like, I truly am living it on, on a day to day basis. And I wish that was, it sounds a little fluffy, but uh, it, it really, it really is the truth. And and so I, I cross my fingers that I just keep getting to do what I love. I, I love that for sure. And, and you asked me to, to, uh, I guess, specify rather than use your technique of reframing the question. So I've got to ask you, I guess, the other side of things, do you have personal goals that you're, that you're hoping to, to reach? I love traveling. I mean, that that's great. And I definitely want to get married and have a family and, you know, do all of that. And so I think for me too, it's like balancing the career life that I, I really do love, but also making space and time for the other things that I want in my life personally as well. Love it. So if people want to to keep up with, with you, wh- where are they going to go? Here's your, your time to kind of shout everything out you got going. I think the best way to follow me on a daily basis is Instagram. It's at Samantha, P-E-S-Z-E-K. Um, I'm also on TikTok at Sam, P-E-S-Z-E-K. Um, and if you have a daughter in gymnastics or uh, you know a gymnast, um, make sure to check out Beam Queen Bootcamp. We're on Instagram at Beam Queen Bootcamp. We're also on TikTok um, at Beam Queen HQ. Um, and then you can also check out our website, beamqueen.com. And we always have new stuff going on there. So never a dull moment in my life. Uh, and it's really fun. I love it. Well, that's, that's amazing. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. So Samantha Pedrick, just an amazing conversation. I have always been a huge, huge fan of the Olympics. I will watch literally any sport. I think we've, we've covered that in the past in, in the Olympics that I've spoken with before. Even if I know nothing about the sport before going in, I become the the biggest fan in the world of it uh, uh, when when Olympic time rolls around. So it's been a pleasure to speak with those that I have, and uh, just a, an absolute honor and a pleasure to speak with Samantha today. Your 2008, I was a junior in high school. The height of the time I was really watching the Olympics. I remember this 2008 gymnastics team. Uh, it's certainly one that uh, a lot of people. Still know a lot of uh, a lot of the the performers, a lot of the the, the people who uh, who competed on on Team USA. Um, you know, I was just looking at the names, and I think that all of the names are, are ones that that we remember, even as relatively casual fans. You know, the the team was Sean Johnson, Nastia Lukin, Chelsea Memel, 
Samantha Pedgick, Alicia Sacramone, and Bridget Sloan. So all names that uh, I still think are doing really, really amazing things. I, I urge you to to check out. I, I know for sure that Sean Johnson is. I think she's got a podcast. the the other The other ladies in in the uh, in the team uh, are doing great things too. Of course, Samantha. We talked all about the the amazing things that she is doing. Uh, it was just a, such an honor to speak with her, um, to learn just more about the world of gymnastics, to learn a little bit more about that that team that, that so many people knew so much about back in 2008, uh, to to learn what uh, you know what what the future holds for somebody who's already accomplished so much. You know, she's she's certainly not done wanting to. Uh, to, to achieve great things, and I have no doubt that uh, some really amazing things are in store. Uh, go follow along with her at her own personal Instagram. Go follow along on the Instagram and the TikTok um, of her Bean Queen Bootcamp. All the links to that will be in the show notes. If you have a daughter and interested in Bean Queen, the links will be in the show notes for you to check out that uh, that organization maybe jump on a, a zoom call with one of their consultants one of their judges one of their strength coaches one of their dietitians one of their uh, mental health helpers I, I don't exactly remember what that what that was called but uh, yeah I I think that you'll you'll uh, gain a lot from from that for sure if you want to follow along with with Samantha and and see the the great things that are in store for her when it comes to her career in journalism. All that will be in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being here. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, you can also jump to the show notes and and find links to be able to follow us on Instagram, Not Enough Podcast, Facebook, Not Enough Jackson Up, JacksonUp.com. A lot of places to uh, to keep up to date with uh, the things that. Uh, that we're doing and the the people that are going to to be on and the over 150 people that have already been on including some some gymnastics uh people from the past uh so i i think that you'll uh, you'll enjoy that but yeah also if you don't mind go leave a five-star uh, rating on apple and on spotify that helps a lot leave a written review on apple even more amazing uh, but uh, if you do nothing else catch us next week take it away chris This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.